I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve, joined as always by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are we doing this evening? Better than Titans. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Boy, the understatement of the century right there. Wow. Boy, it has just been a brutal news day, folks. If you uh if you are looking for an escape, we're here to help because get get off the news for an hour, get off Twitter, get it. Let's get into let's get into some good old fashioned fantasy football. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's technically fantasy football, right? I mean, it's uh, cool, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, well, we'll get to fantasy football. How about that? We'll sure. do. We'll... Yeah, well, yeah. The the key news, though, as we have alluded to here, is uh, the NFL. Oof, it is just we expected this basically from the get go, and. What we talked about in the offseason, we figured this would happen all year. The first three weeks of the season, we didn't deal with this at all. It was amazing. It was mind-boggling. It was like, oh, well, maybe they figured out something. Simpler time. We didn't know. Like, oh, maybe they're they're all following the protocols and everything's going well. No, nope, no. It was just, they just got lucky three weeks in a row, I guess. Uh, so first of all, we'll start where we ended last week, the Titans. So they continued to have more positive tests just rolling in as the week went on. As we had discussed, the most likely possibility did happen. They rescheduled to week seven of the season. The game that was supposed to be between the Ravens and Steelers in week seven got moved back to week eight. And if you are a Baltimore Ravens owner like myself with Mark Andrews, or perhaps you have Hollywood Brown, or maybe you've got uh, Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, I I any of those guys. You planned on a week eight buy, and you're outraged that it's now a week seven buy. It is what it is. We all have to adjust and adapt, apparently, Neil. But that game's been rescheduled. Now the Titans were getting ready to come back. They were ready to start this week. They were going to open the facility today, in fact. And this morning, two more players tested positive. So the facility remains shut down. They continue to work offline, or they're at least supposed to be working offline. However, news broke this afternoon that multiple players, including Ryan Tannehill, broke quarantine to go practice and work out at a local school. It's an amazing story. It, it really is. Uh, I just refer to it as spectacularly reckless. And sure. if this news story, which there's photographic evidence now, granted, it's not concrete, which may be difficult because it's supposedly photographic evidence. But there are photos of what appear to be Titans players working out at a local high school. And I mean, they had sleds, they had everything going, nobody social distancing, no masks in sight. And it's just one of those situations where you hate to see it, because if this is corroborated and is found to be completely factual, I believe a penalty will be handed down on the Titans. The likes of a historic penalty is coming for the Tennessee Titans because you are now, as I was explaining in the chat uh, this morning on our important nonsense staff chat, you are now playing with the NFL's money. 
for those of you who maybe have never dug into how these TV contracts actually get written, they're not written on viewership, folks. If you've ever wondered why uh, like some of these games work the way that they do and people want to talk about, oh, the viewership is down in these things. Surprisingly, not relevant, really. That only comes up at contract renegotiation time. That has nothing to do with the actual performance language of the contract, which is that the NFL is obligated to provide their view, their broadcast partners with X stipulated amount of games. If this game does need to be canceled and no replay game or no re you know replay yeah replay game would yeah, be no, available, yeah, you've now cost yourself a game. You are one step closer to being in breach. You are now one step closer to being in failure to perform. There will be a penalty levied levied from the league about that because you are now playing with their finances. That is that TV money is the sweetest pair. That's the one you want. It's the that's that's how all of this stuff happens. Those TV contracts are the single most important thing regarding NFL funding, which flows into the salary cap, which flows on down into everything. It is why this exists in the manner that it does. That's why those TV contracts are so contentious. It's why they get so much media coverage when you change broadcast partners. Hence, when Amazon wanted to get in the game on Thursday night streaming games, it's a big deal. So they were the Titans were told by the league via their coaching staff on down the line, as you would. Hey, you're in quarantine, virtual only, no outside practices. You need to adhere to these protocols. And what the Titans effectively did with this move, again, if corroborated, because innocent until proven guilty, but it doesn't look good. You just threw up a giant-sized middle finger to the league office and to your coaching staff by going out and doing that. And what's even more troubling is if the league the was bold able The bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Probably not. It's even more damning if they find out that the coaching staff for the Titans wasn't adhering to the protocol. And the only recourse the league will have is to hit them right where the Titans care about at an ownership level, right in the wallet. Just get them right in the wallet, and you are probably going to end up, I believe, and this is my opinion, but I believe you will also get penalized a draft pick for this if if proven. And it'll probably be like some sort of third-round draft pick. That, so that the issue, we opinion. talked about it last week, was – uh, that they were able to reschedule because the buys basically lined up to make it work. Th- that is obviously not the case anymore. They've already burned their buy in Tennessee. So at this point, you're talking about either playing the game in week 18, extending the season by a full other week, which brings up a whole set of different issues, or forfeiting the game outright, just canceling it. Now, you could just cancel the game. And both teams only have 15 games then on their schedule. But number one, you have to also think about the Bills. So now you just had the Steelers last week who had to rearrange everything, move their entire schedule to make sure their game got in. Now you have the Bills, given literally the same situation this week, are just going to get a free victory with a forfeit, or they just don't have to play a game. I would think that they would only play the game in week 18 if it mattered in terms of division or seeding. If it was a scenario where the Bills were one game ahead of or behind the Patriots, and in order to determine who wins the AFC East, maybe who gets a bye in the first round, who hosts a game and who goes on the road, whatever. If it's seeding and division implications, same thing for the Titans. If they're close enough with the Colts, for the division crown that this game actually matters for them, they would play it in week 18. 
But as I said, that brings up a whole other set of issues because now you're talking about the Bills having a bye week this week. So they played four games, would have a bye, then play five games, would have a bye in week 11, and then they would play seven games in a row, including week 18, that no one else has to play before you go to the playoffs. So effectively, every team in the league other than the Titans and Bills would have a bye week in week 18, waiting to see how this one game turns out, now, and then we go to the playoffs. And here's what I would say, just real quick before, just the there is there is a scenario, obviously, where week 18 could come into play in a more real way if you had multiple teams situation right if you needed a runoff week because multiple games got canceled then i could see the credence coming more into fold you could make the argument more from a competition standpoint where like no we need week 18 because i have like i'm just gonna like six eight games of course across the season that need to be rescheduled i could see that becoming more real but right now as you point as you're talking about there is only the one game to discuss with that particular outcome so it makes it hard to believe that if you only had the one game that they would want to do that in week 18. So are you like me where you think they're just going to get given all the smoke on this with, with what's going on? I'm if they can't play, I'm 85% confident that they get that the bills just get a free W. They're not going to have to play a game this week and it's just going to be considered a bit. That's just going to be all. Yeah. Ready. I mean, it's, t- it's tough to do, but yes, I would believe that at this point that they just forfeit the game because they can't, they literally can't play it. Like they, they had an opportunity to correct the situation and they didn't. So they failed to make the game. That would be a forfeit. So they give up a free win. Bills are five and zero. Titans are three and one. And we move on to the next week. And it is what it is from fantasy perspective. It would be a second week in a row. You're without your Titans. You would be without Josh Allen and Diggs. And all those guys on the Bills for two AJ weeks. AJ Brown was theoretically supposed to come back this week, so that that, is, that, that. that is what it is. But it, the biggest thing here, in terms of a fantasy perspective, would definitely be Josh Allen being out, especially yes. because oh, he would be out for this week and still week eleven for their regular bye. Mm-hmm. So now you're losing him like he's missing a game injured, even though he isn't. Uh, so that would be frustrating to say the least. And like I said, to me, that that gives the Bills not only a free victory, but a competitive advantage because everybody else in the league has one bye week to deal with at some point. They get two. So well, it's, I know it's why the league is praying that they can figure out how to get this game off the ground because they want to avoid that situation at all costs. I'm just saying, if you can't, because I have very little in the way of faith that this situation is going to correct itself in time to where you'd be able to safely play a game on Sunday. I, I, uh, I mean, you've got three, four days in there, but considering you need two days of negative testing, you know, back to back. Yeah. The, yeah, the logistics of it really too. Hard. Um, I would have to do a deep dive on the schedule, but just logistically, there has to be some point in time when there's another week in the season. That's just all like divisional games. The second game you play against a division opponent that they can just cancel. There has to be another week at some point here where they can just throw a week away and you can just redo some of these games like the Bills Titans game later in the season that isn't week 18 and give other team yeah give everybody a second bye like now again even though they're dealing with the covid situation the Titans are also getting a second bye as well it's back to back 
So, so it's not, it's not as much of an advantage I think is, is for Buffalo, but it's still two weeks off compared to everybody else getting one. Unfortunately, there's just no, it, there's no clean way to do this. Yeah. That's what it's I was going to say. There's no, there's no like surgical, they got it. They got their one opportunity at that last week with this situation to try and just nip it. Honestly, it. they got lucky the way that the schedule broke out for them last week. Yeah, and well, now you don't even have that, so your back's even further against the wall. You're yep. getting forced into some really bad outcomes. Here. So we'll see. Hopefully, that hopefully they can just get tested the rest of this week. Everything comes back fine, and the game happens as usual. But again, keep an eye on it. Something to keep in mind. After we talked last week on Saturday, Cam Newton popped a positive test, so he had to miss last week's game. The game against Kansas City was moved from Sunday to Monday. They retested everybody on both teams. Jordan Te'amu from uh, the practice squad of the Chiefs of XFL fame, by the way. Uh, he also tested positive, so they had to retest all the Chiefs as well. But that game ended up happening on Monday night. They retested. Of course, you know, the league's fantastic protocol. You don't test on game days, Neil, because that just doesn't no, make sense. No, Why would never. you do that? Yeah. So they tested him on Tuesday, and the Tuesday tests came back that uh, two players on the Patriots, one of which was Stefan Gilmore, reigning defensive player of the year, uh, have tested positive as well for COVID-19. So with that said, they will have virtual meetings both today and tomorrow, virtual meetings and walkthroughs for the Patriots. They are hoping that they can get back to practice if everybody passes their tests uh, by that point on Friday. And then the game goes on as scheduled on Sunday. If not, it could get pushed back to Monday again. And they have a week six bye. So I've already looked at the schedule. Rescheduling this game is just not going to happen. Too many things would have to change and be bouncing around. This could be another week 18 situation that we're talking about them playing the Broncos. However, I feel like the Broncos certainly will have less to play for at that point. Uh, but play for now. So yeah, but the Patriots could be playing for the division. Also though, if the Patriots lose this game and the bills lose their game, does it really matter? Like if the two of them both miss a game and they both have 15 game seasons for the AFC East purposes, it doesn't matter. Right. At that point, you can just throw those games away and be fine with it. Sure. And, uh, that that may be what ends up happening here, but uh, th this one is is a little bit is a little bit different than the Titans one because you're not dealing with twenty plus positive tests, right? Exactly. So it's here I have for this point. So we'll see. I have a lot more in the way of faith that even if, for example, Stefan Gilmore can't play, uh, and that's a shame, and it hurts your Pat's defense that you probably invested too much in too high. If you if you end up in that situation, at least they'll probably play the game. You know what I mean? Just like how they played it without Cam. And that's the other one. I would tell people now to be preparing for another week without Cam if you've been riding it. Because I just don't see how, A, if the game's already in jeopardy, and B, he would need to have multiple days at this point of negative tests and come back to no practice. They'd probably go with it if the game was actually going to happen. But I'd feel less confident in Cam. And also, I just think there's chance that he's not playing this game even if the game goes on yeah reminder of the protocol if a player is asymptomatic uh which cam is which again means that he's not showing any signs of of sickness or weakness he just tested positive when they gave him the the exam so if he is asymptomatic as he continues to be he can return to the football 
practice. He can return to the games. He can return to all football activity either 10 days after the positive test, which was this last Saturday, or after he has two consecutive negative tests that are at least 24 hours apart. So if he tests today negative and then takes another test at the same time tomorrow, and that is also negative, he could return on Friday. But to my knowledge, he has not been tested yet. Uh, It's more likely that he would be tested closer to the weekend. It's possible that he could be cleared to play on Sunday, but to your point, without having any practice, without having any kind of football activity over the last week, and you're going into your bye on week six. So I don't know why you even bother at that point. I feel like you just let it ride through the bye, get him back at 100%, and then go from there. I'm inclined to go with that logic, which is why. Yeah, I mean, that makes more sense to me. But That is what I would expect. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, we had the, the that was the hilarious story as well from Saturday night. It's again, none of this is actually funny. It's just comically bad how this is all worked out. The fact that uh, the fullback for the Saints, who is rarely, if ever used, except for blocking situations, tested positive. But they found out that he had tested positive while he was already on the flight from New Orleans to Detroit and it turns out that the guy he was paired up with sitting next to on the plane was Alvin Kamara. Just what are the odds that yep. that is the circumstances? That's in a, that was a, for everybody who has Kamara. That's a great Saturday night uh, right. series. Of so they had to retest Kamara as soon as he got off the plane. It came back negative. Everything was fine. So they played the game. And to this point, there have been no new tests with the Saints. It was just the one, the one off bizarre situation also an unnamed player for the Raiders has tested positive as well Well, I thought the fullback for the Saints was Taysom Hill too so that was the other shocking thing about that (laughs) Taysom Hill's got COVID yeah yeah so uh let's quickly go through some of these players here Neil because by weeks this week are the or the uh Packers and the Lions and those are the guys that are supposed to be on by, but you also now have the added possibility that if you own a Bills player, a Titan, a Pat, a Bronco, they could be sitting out for COVID related reasons. Yes. So here are some waiver options for you to stream. Uh, take it away, Mr. Smith. All right. Coming in, quarterback. We're going to go with these in order here, folks. Gardner Minshew, the stash, the living legend against Fire up, baby. Your Houston Texans, Steve, who have been an utter tire Ooh. fire on defense all year and have now fired their coach, I'm GM, and you know, I'm 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 grateful that we have this whole Titans debacle situation so that we don't have to talk about Bill O'Brien on this episode. Yeah, notice how that didn't even make I the show sheet. That. Notice how that appreciate didn't even make that. the show sheet. Thank, thanks, Mike Vrabel. Didn't thanks, even get there. Say, don't say that Mike Vrabel has never done anything for the Houston Texans, right? Got like that right out of the news stream. He came from the the Bill O'Brien branch of coaching, wildly more successful already. And now he's just, (laughs) he's helping bury this story for us. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Really, really helping out there. But yeah, Bill O'Brien out in Houston. Uh, I believe the general note on Twitter on that was about time. So feel free to fire up Gardner Minshew against Houston's defense. There's no way. You've got to feel great about that. Uh, Second place, Teddy Bridgewater. Going on down to play Atlanta. Anybody against Atlanta, but also, my note on this, Teddy Bridgewater quietly getting it rolling. 
He had kind of a breakout looking game last week. And the week before he was actually usable. So he's heating up. Exactly. So Teddy Bridgewater. And then finally, for the actual things you'd want to try, Justin Herbert, Monday night against the Saints. I'm prepared to to just to just kind of say like, look, he's raised some eyebrows. Justin Herbert looking pretty good here, and uh, kind of had a breakout game in that first three quarters against against the Bucks. He looked really he looked really solid. I mean, through three yep. touchdowns. I feel like Justin Herbert's going to be a name for 2021. A lot of people are interested in, but for this 100%. year, and he looked good against the Chiefs in his first ever start. He did not look good in Week Three, but he looked good against the Bucks, as you mentioned. Yep. So, and he's a rookie, so I think you're going to have some of these growing pains. It's not a guarantee. That's why he's third. He's not. It's not a guarantee yeah. that he's going to return you a good number against the against the Saints. But I'm saying, I'd be willing to fire it up if I was if I was in that boat. And then finally, if you're desperate, I had to do it, Steve. I had to bury him. I had to bury him on on uh, yesterday for the trade column. It hurt. Danny Dimes himself, Daniel Jones. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. Preseason favorite of both of ours. Uh, unfortunately, that injury to Saquon has just nuked, completely nuked the Giants offense and their season right along with it. There is just nothing for it. Daniel Jones, that O-line is too bad. They got no running game anymore. He's just getting bull rushed. But, but it's Dallas. So if there was ever a week that you were desperate. He's a QB two spot start for the rest of the way. Get right week. Yeah. If I was desperate, I'd go to the well one more time. So what about running back, Steve? What about running running back? backs? We've got uh chase Edmonds against the jets. It's anybody against the jets. And we're going to talk yeah. about Kenyon Drake here in a little while. Cause if he can't get it going against them, oof, we will see. But chase Edmonds for sure has a role on the, the offense. Uh, and again, like you said, it, it's anybody against the jets here. So, you're running with that. Austin Eckler, he was out uh, at the beginning of that game last week for the Chargers. So Justin Jackson is now splitting carries and splitting time with Joshua Kelly. We both are in the mindset, I believe, that Joshua Kelly is the guy yes. at this point in LA. But Justin Jackson is still going to get some work. He still will be somewhat involved. So And to this point, we don't know that. That's just what yeah. Steve and I believe. That's sure. why but Justin we, Jackson the we first We saw time a lot of Justin Jackson last year when he was filling in for Melvin Gordon while Melvin Gordon was holding out. Wasn't great. There's a yes. reason that they drafted Joshua Kelly. Correct. And this is it for a situation exactly like this. So he is, he was the third wheel always. I said in any other season where there wasn't COVID and they weren't dealing with deeper rosters and they were willing to just move on from veterans that Justin Jackson probably doesn't make this team, but here he is, here he is in a thrust into a larger role. Speaking of being thrust into a larger role, Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard against Indy Nick Chubb also out about six weeks. He is on the IR. Look, first of all, we didn't mention it before. I will mention it now. Kareem Hunt, top 10, like yeah. minimum, yeah. minimum top That's 10 value now. right now in PPR. So he is going to get all of the work. Kareem Hunt was also dealing with a groin injury of his own halfway through that game, which is part of the reason you saw so many carries for Johnson and Hilliard. I don't expect that to return to form. We talked about this in the chat before, but the Browns are averaging about 67 snaps on offense per game through the first four weeks. Based on how splits have gone, I would say about 40 of those are going to go to Kareem Hunt. 
and they're going to give about 20 combined to Johnson and Hilliard. I think it's more of an even split, probably a hot hand scenario. If Hilliard breaks off a couple of huge runs, he definitely becomes that second guy. If Johnson does, he also becomes the second guy. That's why this is an if you're desperate play. Well, also, if you're looking for positives, desperate. if you're looking for positives, because we gave them a lot of negatives there, but if you're looking for anything to kind of hang your head on, it's like, why'd you even put them on the list? Browns are the run heaviest team in the league through the first four weeks, and that is a big part of their strategy. They are yeah, going Kevin to pound the rock. So <laughs> Welcome to the Stefanski experience. Yeah, so that's the reason why they're there, because anybody on the Stefanski system is going to get some volume for you. And J.D. McKissick against the Rams. And you don't watch that game. You just hold your nose and you hope he catches you four or five passes. Check the box score at the end and see how it turned out. Hate it for standard. Have no interest in in standard. Uh, And then, by the way, we didn't put a T on it. Uh, Justin Jackson. uh, Expect that arrangement for the the Kelly-Jackson situation to run for a solid six weeks. It's a bad injury for Austin Eckler. I think he'll be back, but it's going to take a while. Uh, wide receiver, we're going to do these quick because there's no if you're desperate section. If there's there's no if you're desperate section, Golden Tate, see Daniel Jones. They're going to Dallas. It's he's going to be open for most of the game just because Dallas can't catch anything, can't cover anybody, and uh, pretty much paint by numbers on that one. Golden Tate is one of the last men standing on that already totally beat up Giants team. Scotty Miller against Chicago on Thursday night, if he can go, uh, especially with Chris Godwin already ruled out. He is kind of the Godwin when there is no Godwin out there at this point. And also, he is really catching the eye of Tom Brady. There seems to be some chemistry developing there. So he's starting to to kind of move up uh, in rankings for folks. And it's pretty obvious as to why, but he's already kind of beat up. So you have to pay attention to that. Uh, Brandon Ayuk versus Miami. Uh, If he could hurdle people in a much harder matchup last (laughs) Eagles, imagine how many people he could hurdle in Miami. My word. It's a total gadget situation for him. He's not a traditional receiver in their system, yeah, but it's still probably matter. no Jimmy Garoppolo. So still it probably no matter Jimmy if it's CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins, either not way, relevant. Still good with that. You yeah. love to see the rushing. I wish he would get a little more involved in traditional pass catching, but they're giving it to him in a way that he's a threat to score whenever he gets it. I can see why they like him so much. Man, he's fast. And uh, Lavisca Chenault, hey, kind of the same analysis there. Remember, <laughs> brought it up a second ago. Jacksonville is going to play the beleaguered Houston Texans defense here. LaVisca yeah, Chenault. Given their rush defense as well, I'm just going to run Chenault on a bunch of sweeps and just yep. let him run through. And he'll them. catch dump offs and PPR. It's great. And then finally, to round it out, this is the one that I'd like in other matchups probably more than some of these other guys, but T. Higgins against Baltimore. He's just getting way more involved. He's already kicked, the, he's already, he took four weeks and he's already buried John Ross. So we were right about that as a, uh, as a preseason take. That that's already starting to change, and more to the point, uh, Joe Burrow's looking for him. So T. Higgins for the season, I'm actually pretty excited about. But T. Higgins in this game, yeah, I'd take a shot at it just because of the targets, the target share. But I don't feel great about it. <laughs> yeah. Tight ends and defense. You've got Dalton Schultz against the Giants. He was hurt last week, but he will go. Greg Olson against Minnesota. You like that for Seattle? If you're desperate, Eric Ebron against Philly because tight ends against Philly at this point have been thriving. And then Austin Hooper, also if you're desperate against Indy. That one I'm the most cautious about. He hasn't done much outside of this last week, and they are activating David Njoku off of IR, who dominated targets in week one when he played between the two of them. So proceed with caution there. I may actually lean towards Njoku, because I'm sure he's wildly available. Uh, So I would actually... 
I don't know. I it, it's coin flip for me. It depends. Well, it's on also who's not available. a good. It's also not a good matchup. But that really, mm-hmm. that last one really speaks to tight end the position. Exactly. Uh, defense. You've got the Cardinals against the Jets. The theory of anybody against the Jets. Again, it's just so thin. There's so few options out there. The Cardinals. And Joe Flacco. Good, but Joe Flacco starting Joe that game for the Jets. That's really helping. And then the Chiefs D against Vegas because again Vegas. If you're desperate, Cowboys against the Giants. Uh, hoping that Daniel Jones will turn the ball over to him a couple of times, or that they just don't put up yardage. I mean, they haven't been putting, they haven't been turning the ball over, but they also haven't been doing anything. Just not getting first downs. They're not moving the ball at all. So it's a it's a spicy one. You got to be prepared for a negative outcome there, but it could pay you off. And lastly, is uh, Denver against New England if Cam does not play, as we have speculated, because we saw the backup QBs there. Ooh, that was that was brutal. Yeah. Exactly. And if the game's not canceled, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Uh, But let's pause for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right, Neil, we're back, and we are going to play a game, a popular game on the interwebs. Uh, It is Start, Trade, Cut. So I will give you three players at various positions. I I kept it easy on you this week. No flex, no super flex. Oh, okay. It's all all standard, just same position. All right, easy. So start, trade, cut. I'll give you three players that are in the same ballpark currently of points per game. By the way, if anybody wants to give you analysis on total points and not points per game, go ahead and click that unfollow because that is just terrible advice and analysis. You don't want to listen to that. Uh, So on points per game neighborhood, we are going to start with quarterbacks. So right around 20 points per game, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, start trade cut. Boy, this is a really tough one. You said you took it easy on me. Get out of here. Uh, I am going <laughs> to go, go first if you want. I mean, I feel this is a relatively easy one. All right, we'll go first then. Okay, I will. So I'm going to trade Tom Brady because I think rest of season, Tom Brady hovers around that 10 to 12 range. And after that huge week he just had, I'm going to cash in on that value while I can get it. So I think he's going to have an inconsistent season, especially if his guys can't stay healthy. I don't think he's going to hit a higher peak than what he's at right now. So I'm going to cash that value. This is tough for me because I like what Burrow is doing. And Matt Ryan has struggled to this point, to say the least. But with the amount that they throw, his veteran presence and Julio will be healthy at some point. I'm going to stick with Matt Ryan as my starter, and I am going to cut Joe Burrow. Look, it's rookie QB. He has been great to this point, but I just feel like at some point he's going to run into a rookie bump in the road and the wheels will fall off. Of these three guys, I think I can get the most value in a trade from Brady, so I would cut Joe Burrow. So it's really good analysis, and here's what I would say. If you go by my trade values on the trade table, I've got Matt Ryan at 32 basis points, Tom Brady at 19, Joe Burrow at 14. The issue is, is that you've obviously got the most invested in Matt Ryan. So at this point, you'd be selling, you'd be selling low based on his performance to this point in the season. Julio Jones is going to come back, and Calvin Ridley is not going to take a zero every single week. I also think Russell Gage still a legitimate play. He's had a couple of good games. We'll see as they can continue, if they can continue to kind of rebound and right the ship. They just are going to throw so much that it's hard to want to kind of move away from Matt Ryan. But I can understand if you want to bench him while they figure it out. Uh, Joe Burrow is the one that I have the least rated in argument, but he's been, he's been fantastic, but he's a rookie quarterback and it's going to be very hard to kind of package him in a meaningful way to somebody. So 
yes, it's Joe Burrow. He's a really hot prospect, but he's not exactly like a top end type of he's going undrafted in leagues, for example. Joe Burrow wasn't isn't going to command the value in the open market that, for example, a Tom Brady was. So for me, it's trade Tom Brady. Coming off that five touchdown week that I think is a total fluke and an anomaly. The Chargers are going to charge her. Not many teams are going to be willing to are going to put up, they're going to allow him to throw three touchdown passes every week. He lost OJ Howard, who he was developing a connection with. Chris Godwin's going to be beat up, as I wrote about last week's trade table for the next several weeks. And then I'm worried about him for the rest of the year in terms of the injury he actually has with the hamstring. He could get he could re-aggravate it. There's a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors going on with this Tampa team, and I'm pretty pretty nervous about the long-term return. So I think you and I line up exactly. You're going to start Matt Ryan, you're going to cut Joe Burrow, and you're going to trade Tom. Correct. All right, let's go to running back uh, Joe Mixon, who is at 17.3 points per game, but had that huge 42 last week, so struggled the first three weeks. Uh, Josh Jacobs, also at 17.3, and Derrick Henry, who also was at 17.3 dealing with that Titans nonsense. Well, and here's what I would tell you, because the Titans nonsense aside, and it's, it's so frustrating this is happening right now. For me, and it's it's worth pointing out, folks, we are not suggesting to cut any of these players, okay? Like, I just want to make that very plain, just as a, as a point of fact. But for me, you're going to start Josh Jacobs, you're going to trade Joe Mixon, and you're going to cut Derrick Henry of those three, largely due to the COVID nonsense. And it's going to be difficult to move right now. It's a huge headache. And frankly, he hasn't been great coming to this point in the season. Short sample. It's only four games. And I think he'll, he'll ultimately be fine. Uh, and Joe Mixon coming off that huge game, I think, makes him the easiest trade piece. Also, the one that I would want to trade just to get the frustration level down a little bit. Whereas Josh Jacobs, I believe in for the season. Uh, yeah, this one's tough for me. I think I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to line up with you here. I don't really want to. I'm I'm in on all three of these guys, which is the problem. Me too. Which is why it's hard to do that little song and dance and hand jive I did. So Joe Mixon, I think, is the guy that is going to be the least consistent, and because of the first three weeks, it might be the hardest to move. So I think he's going to be my cut. It's just a matter of who do I want to hold on to, and I think Josh Jacobs, who has been more involved this year in the passing game, since we're always talking PPR. Even though he hasn't put up huge numbers yet, I think that'll come. He's just too good for me to just walk away from. He's, he's talented. He's a young guy. I think Derrick Henry, again, he's not old or anything, but he's, he's going to get worn down here at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm going to trade Derrick Henry if I can get the value for it and then play Josh Jacobs. It's tough, though. It's tough for sure. All right. Well, those are three well-selected names. So, so those the good side of running back. Let's go the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> Leonard Fournette, who has 11.6 points per game, but pretty much all of that was from one outing, and he's dealing with an injury, probably won't play this week. Kenyon Drake, who's a poster child for bust of the year at this point in most people's eyes, and Mark Ingram. And then 8.1 point per game performance. Look, he's got a two and I believe, what is it? A two and a three or something two like that. Two and a three. He's got, he's got two, a two really and a three. bad games and two decent games. Which are propped up by so touchdowns. Wildly inconsistent. So there you go. Start, trade, cut. Leonard Fournette, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram. Well, this one's actually, unfortunately, for me. You're going to start Leonard Fournette because it's one of those situations where I ultimately believe that for the season, he's still going to be the guy 
once he's able to return, he's going to take that job from Ronald Jones. He already already had it in his grasp when Ronald Jones fumbled a handoff from Brady that he put in his chest. I mean, it's I'm not going to ever come around to this Ronald Jones is good at running back conversation. It's not going to happen. So for me, I'm staying the course with Leonard Fournette. That's who I'm going to be starting. You're going to end up trying to trade Kenyon Drake after this game with the Jets. <laughs> And you're going to try and find a way to trade that off my team. And I know you might end up taking a loss, but you're going to have to get creative and possibly look at trying to do a two for one. That is something that if he can't get it going here, as we referenced before earlier in the show, it's time, I think, to start really panicking on Kenyon Drake if he can't put up a good a good outing against the Jets. And then you're going to cut Mark Ingram because at this point, he's a touchdown dependent RB2. And not, he's a flex. He's a flex consideration effectively at this point. He's not even a two. So he doesn't really command much in the way of trade value. It's it's all bad news in that committee that they're. I mean, first of all, I agree with you that the start here is Leonard Fournette because at some point he gets the job, and he puts up the most points of anybody. Here's the issue: the stat line for Mark Ingram mentioned inconsistency for Kenyon Drake, fourteen point five. 11.5, and he left with a chest injury. Now they're playing the Jets this week. After the Jets, they've got Dallas, which is fine. Seattle, which is better for wide receivers, but it's, it's okay. And then the bye, you've got Miami, Buffalo, Seattle again, New England, the Rams, who've been good against the run, especially the Giants. There are some decent matchups in there, but this is not a situation that's going to easily go away. And given what he's done the last three weeks and the fact that his largest performance of the season was a 14, you're definitely not going to get what you paid for for Kenyon Drake, and I don't even think you get half of it. You're selling for pennies on the dollar at that point. At this point, you may get more out of Mark Ingram. I mean, that's. It's sad to say, but I'm, I, mean, I think I'm going to trade Mark Ingram and cut Kenyon Drake. My issue is, what are you going to trade Mark Ingram? There, I think this, the argument that I could make with Kenyon Drake is that, is that he could theoretically get it going, and we've seen what the top end of that looks like. And he's really only battling with Chase Edmonds. He's one Chase Edmonds injury away from having the whole mm-hmm. Magilla to himself again. I feel like I could make that argument a lot easier than I could make the argument that Mark Ingram, who hasn't done anything and if he doesn't score a touchdown he's functionally useless with a two yeah. like I, I don't know what I'm going to get for Mark Ingram what could I possibly hope to get on the trade market for Mark Ingram at this point I value them at 66 basis, basis points still for Kenyon Drake which I tell you now is going to be the biggest single crash we've ever seen doing this table if he can't get it going against the Jets because he's still getting some very generous bo- bo- brownie points for me uh, Leonard Fournette is the start obviously he's at 45 that's the one that I would actually feel like you expect a return on and Mark Ingram at 25 Mark at 25, you're talking about you're, you're talking about like there's not much at 25 that at running back that you're gonna, that you're going to feel good about that you're going to get in return. Is my point. You're not going to get much back. Maybe if you could get a risk, I guess, but it's uh, it's not going to be mean, an give, easy sell. Given what they've currently done, if I could get if I could trade Kenyon Drake or Mark Ingram for Leonard Fournette, I'd do it. Yes, yeah. So would I. I tell you, you won that trade trade by 20 points you do that <laughs> yeah but, but i mean given saying, the like, points that they've scored to this year and the way that they've played i don't know how many people are just sitting there wanting to hold leonard fournette when he's not doing much right now 
Yeah, but, but I don't know if you could do see. it if you were the Kenyan Drake owner because, to your point, yeah. you'd be trading for something that isn't really playing. And I think you would need you would need. Yeah, but right now playing Kenyan angle. Drake isn't helping you. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 yeah. All right, let's move fair. on. Other wider or other running backs. Uh, so mid tier, the RB two range. Miles Sanders, fourteen point eight points per game currently. Jonathan Taylor, fourteen point oh points per game, and Antonio Gibson. 13.6 points per game. So a second year savvy veteran in Miles Sanders with two rookies start trade cut. Oh, well, this is this should be hard. <laughs> the easy one is Jonathan Taylor is the start. I mean, there I I've, I've got to just continue to believe in that. He's getting the volume. Naheem Hines is kind of an afterthought and Jonathan Williams is frustrating there, but I think Jonathan Taylor, especially in games where they go run heavy, is the one that I feel the most confident in. Uh, the rest of the way. Miles Sanders is my trade, uh, which is, well, this is why this is a hard game, right? Because Miles Sanders has to be my trade here because I feel like you're going to get the most return out of Miles Sanders. People are going to be more interested because of the name, because of the expectations that were placed on him by a lot of people. Find the mile, the guy who loves Miles Sanders. in your Because there's a guy in your league that preseason loved Miles Sanders and will probably overpay you for it. That's That's the hype train that was on him. So I think as far as bang for your buck, Miles Sanders is the one I want to trade. Because I don't think better days are ahead there. That team is an utter train wreck. And he's getting volume, but he looks terrible while he's doing it. And I don't know how much longer that's going to really continue. Or we worry about injuries with him, too. And then by attrition, Antonio Gibson is cut. But what's hilarious about that is Antonio Gibson is the guy that I'm second most excited about on the list. That's what's hilarious about the game. is because in terms of real fantasy football, Antonio Gibson is absolutely something I would be telling people to think about trying to acquire. Because it's probably still relatively cheap given yeah. what people have invested. So Antonio Gibson is a name I have circled as a buy low, but in this instance, he would have to be my cut. Uh, I agree across the board, unfortunately, because I love, love Antonio Gibson. Um, so he's a guy that I would love to say as the start, but it's between him and Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is, has started slower than people had hoped, but he's going to be that workhorse that gets literally all the, the work. To this point, through PPR, Gibson's been great because he's getting the catches, because he's getting involved in both the run game and pass game. Now they've made the QB switch. They're going with Kyle Allen over uh, Dwayne Haskins. So I don't know how much that's going to affect Gibson's value in general. We'll see. We'll find out. Maybe he skyrockets, and if we were to do this again next week, because Kyle Allen treats him like CMC, then all of a sudden Antonio Gibson's a top 10 play on a weekly basis. But I think it's Jonathan Taylor. He's the best guy of the bunch. And yes, to your point, you find the guy who's the Miles Sanders truther uh, because, again, he missed week one against the Washington football team with the injury. But since then, he came back in week two. He had 20 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Ended up with a 20. The second game he played, week three against Cincy, he only had 18 carries, but again, 95 yards and a 14.7 because he didn't end up in the end zone. Last week against San Francisco, in a game that they were winning, in a game they were actually playing well, he only had 13 carries for 46 yards. He did not get the end zone again. He had a 9.6, and the most telling thing to me is at the end of the game when they were trying to salt it away with the game on the line, trying to get your first win of the season on the three plays they had before they went three and out. It was Corey Clement with a rush, Boston Scott with a rush, 
and Carson Wentz on a scramble with Boston Scott in the backfield. So Miles Sanders didn't even see the field in critical downs for them in the fourth quarter. So I'm terrified what they're going to do with Miles Sanders on that team. The O-line is not good and keeps getting worse. If I can get out of owning Miles Sanders, I am doing it right now for sure. But Neil, let's talk monkey knife fight real quick, and then we'll be right back. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. In stat shootout, you put together a two or three player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win, but again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry, but if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. Can buy me a lot of Janu Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many Janu jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. All right, Neil, we're back. Second half of the game. Let's go through wide receivers. We got a little bit of uh, wide receiver action for you, some pass catchers. So first of all, guys that have sparked, that have started hot, that we were low on in the offseason. I wouldn't even say low on, just much lower than this. Sure, we, yeah. We were, compared to consensus, we were higher on most of these guys. But Stefan Diggs, one that sticks out, that one. <laughs> wide receiver seven currently with 19.6 points per game. Again, the Bills offense has been hot right now. Jamison Crowder, through two games, is averaging 21 points per game. 
He's now going from Sam Darnold to Joe Flacco. He's wide receiver four from a points per game perspective. Robbie Anderson, Coolio, wide receiver 11, 17.9 points per game. He has been the dominant one that has drawn the eye of Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. So start, trade, cut. And this feels obvious for literally everyone in the industry. But who who is it? Start, trade, yeah. cut. Well, it's and this is where the industry and I are going to get into a beef because I'm just going to get get it right off like a Band-Aid. Stefan Diggs is the trade. And I wrote this up in the trade column mostly because it's worth bringing up again. Uh, there is no chance on this earth, to put it succinctly, that Josh Allen continues at the clip that he's at at 71% accuracy. And also, if it would really hurt you if he uh, took a zero <laughs> and had an extra buy and missed the game, that's going to put push the total point totals down. But yeah, as far as points per game, we don't really care. But the schedule is the bigger issue. After week nine, starting in week nine, I should say, that schedule gets insanely more difficult than the first half of it. It's a totally backloaded schedule. So it's I find it very difficult to believe that Stefan Diggs is going to be able to finish the season at wide receiver seven if Josh Allen can't maintain the ridiculous clip that he's been on. So for me, Stefan Diggs is the trade. Also, because of the name Stefan Diggs, that's the most saleable piece from a salesmanship standpoint. That's the one that people are going to look at and go, I know what that is. I've seen him be good before. And they're going to they're going to probably even overpay even on even on what you could theoretically get. And then it gets interesting. It gets really interesting because the start for me is actually going to be Jamison Crowder, even with all the noise and the, the quarterback change and the just they don't have anything else. He is. It's obvious when you actually watch them play and for the don't spend too much time on it. It's like looking at the sun, uh, short, short glimpses only. Uh, he is their one and only. He's they got that guy Jeff Smith out there who looks like a Madden creative player. He's got the name for it too. Like that's it. That's their team right now. They don't have anything worth writing home about. When he's out there, he's going to draw just all the targets because he's open and they look for him on third down and he's pays them off for it. And then Robbie Anderson is unfortunately the cut, which is hilarious because it's the second one of these I've done in a row. Robbie Anderson is the cut where in reality, that's one of the ones I have circled where it's like, eh, if you could still get a good deal on Robbie Anderson, cause people aren't, aren't buying it totally. They're not totally in on it yet. And they think they're getting something off there. I'd see about it. Cause I don't know that he can maintain that clip for the, for the season is with Robbie Anderson. I'm concerned about defenses adjusting to try and to try and prevent him just running down the field on them and less focus on DJ Moore, which should help kind of equalize that situation. I'm concerned about the hall for Robbie. Anderson. We talked about in our Carolina offseason preview that Robbie Anderson was being slept on, that he had wide receiver three potential. And if he was the home run guy could be up to wide receiver two. Like he was the guy that we were talking about because of Teddy Bridgewater and what he brings in terms of passing that they haven't had since Cam was healthy. So they could definitely support two players here. And Robbie Anderson has been a wide receiver too most of his career. We shouldn't be shocked that he's doing this, and yet people are. So it pains me to agree with you yet again. But on name alone, I tried to find a name that wasn't Stefan Diggs in this list. But when yeah, you're in the top it's 12, really hard to it's, it's mainly just name guys. But so, yes, it's. it's just interesting to me that those two guys have squeaked in there. You know me. I'm a Crowder believer. He's oh, a yeah. PPR god. He you just, and I were the two highest people in the industry. He's on fire! He just can't be stopped out there. You and I so, were so much higher than the industry on him. We were the highest on him. 
nonsense, and that's saying something yeah. where he gets bumped anyway. And no, he's he's yeah, really talented. Diggs is the trade. Crowder is the guy you keep because he's going to give you the consistency. And Robbie Andrew, like I don't think he's he's obviously not going to finish wide receiver four, but he's a wide receiver two. If you think he's less than a wide receiver two, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, he could possibly get hurt and hurt and you know affect you. But this season, that's everybody. You have no idea. I mean, it, yeah, yeah I mean, the risk is, is the same. The risk is kind of level for everybody. Set. Yeah. All right. So how about we go Michael Gallup, eleven point six points per game, but. He has three games of eight points or less. He had one boom game, and that's been it. Darius Slayton, outside of that big week one with two touchdowns, 12.2 points per game, but three straight games under eight points in PPR. And Emmanuel Sanders, who's got an 11.1 points per game average. Since uh, Michael Thomas has been out, he had that two in week three, but he has back-to-back games with 15 points. So he's gotten more opportunity, but still isn't, you know, outrageously someone you must start in your lineup every week. So three guys that are in the wide receiver three range right now start trade cut. Uh, For me, it's going to be start Michael Gallup, largely because it's it's super frustrating and you kind of hold your nose while you do it. And they're getting other people involved, which you don't like to see. But that offense is humming along and any given Sunday. it could be another Michael Gallup boom game. You just kind of got to level set expectations for the idea that it's going to look a lot more like vintage Robbie Anderson, let's say, where he gets you a 28 or a four. And that's not ideal fantasy standpoint. But my rationale here is that Darius Slayton is the trade in all likelihood here because he is still averaging the highest points per game and he's functionally the wide receiver one on that team at this point. And he would be the one that if he was going to be, he's got the closest path to getting back right when Sterling Shepard comes back on. Uh, Cause there's just less mouths to feed, frankly, in that offense. And then the cut is Emmanuel Sanders, largely because yes, the back-to-back 15s are nice, but you can't trust it long-term largely because uh, Michael Thomas will be back. And then I think he goes right back to being irrelevant. Uh, and you have basically laid out my entire argument for why I completely disagree with you on this one. I'm glad we finally disagreed. Finally, we did fantastic. it. We did it. Emmanuel Sanders is the trade because he's got back-to-back 15s. He's riding a little bit of a hot streak. And when Michael Thomas goes comes back, you know he goes right back to doing nothing. If somebody wants to give you literally anything for Emmanuel Sanders, I will take it. Darius Slayton is my start. Because he's got the upside, he still is the wide receiver one, and at some, I still believe that at some point this year he breaks inside the top 30, they get things right once they've clicked in that offense. You and I have talked offline about the possibility that since there was, yes, they did have some training camp, yes, they did have some preseason work, but there were no preseason games. So now we're four games into the season, this is essentially what the regular preseason would have been. People are shaking off the rust. So are we to the point now where we're finally going to start to see guys get in a groove, get in a rhythm and get back to where we thought they could be so that by week seven or eight, the guys that are struggling right now, like a DJ Moore, are going to turn it around and have the solid seasons we all projected that they could. And I think Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones fall into that, especially as their schedule lightens up. So we will see there. But Michael Gallup is my cut. He had the one good game. Outside of that, yes, they have been throwing the ball around a lot and that defense continues to be terrible, but Amari Cooper has had at least eight targets 
and at least 90 yards in every game this season. He has still been the dominant one in Dak's eye, and C.D. Lamb has emerged to take away the number two slot by far. Like, it's not even close. He has become the second guy on that roster. So, yes, they throw the ball a ton, but Michael Gallup is third banana. He is the least impactful of these three guys, and therefore he is my cut. That's fair All enough. Right. That's fair Let's enough. go with the rookies to round this out. Justin Jefferson, in his last two games, a 30 and a 14.3. Brandon Ayuk, in his last two games, a 21.1 and a 13.6. And LaVisca Chenault Jr., he has 10-plus games in three out of his four games played this year. So uh, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault. All- all of them exciting. All Third of them actually. Cut. Yeah, this is a really tough one too, considering all at this point kind of just figuring out who they are in the NFL. But Justin Jefferson is my start. That 30 was deeply impressive. Also, that 14.3 to back it up. Uh, he has the best pedigree as well. And also, he is the defined wide receiver two in Minnesota, which I cannot really say about either of these other two guys. Ioke may be technically the wide receiver two for the 49ers, but that's kind of with an asterisk. There's some attrition there, and also he's not a traditional wide receiver two type situation. So you're talking about, for me, it's Justin Jefferson. I'm willing to ride that out, and uh, he's my start for the rest of the year. And I think that you will be very happy with the return that you'll get on that. And then, uh, you know me, I got to go back to my preseason. I've been saying it for a long time. Brandon Ayuk to the 49ers, fantastic roster decision for them. He does exactly what they want him to do, which is run those weird gadget plays. And yeah, he's a little touchdown dependent. I wish he was a little more involved as a traditional receiver. But given how that roster is shaking out at this point for them, he's going to be my uh, he's going to be my trade largely because I think at the end of the year, he's going to end up with, a, it's not going to be as, a consi- as consistent of a point total is what you'll get from Chenault. Uh, but I think he'll have the higher point total because he's going to be a, a potential for more explosive type plays. And LaVishka Chenault is going to be my cut, which is, again, sad. It's in the same vein as Gibson and Robbie Anderson. But because I, I don't believe you should cut him, I think better days are actually ahead for LaVishka Chenault. But the situation there, there is that it's, it's all volume dependent, and he has to catch those dump offs, and he has to try and get you some sort of gadget play. And I'm still worried about him getting injured at some point because he this still carries Perfect. Him. All right, so this is going to work out again. So once again, if this was who do I think finishes the best or has the best point total at the end of the year? It's Justin Jefferson, and that's fine. But since it's start, trade, cut, who gets me the most return? And that's Justin Jefferson. Riding the hot streak, he was the first-round pick. He's, he's been one of the off-season darlings that people in the industry love. If somebody wants to see what Justin Jefferson has done the last couple of weeks and take him, he's all yours. Enjoy it. That's my trade. The Vikings throw the ball less than any team in the National Football League. And that's not on a per-game basis. That's total. The Titans have played one less game than the Vikings and still have one yeah. more targeted pass attempt that is confirmed. than Minnesota does. So they do not throw the ball at all. Another team that doesn't throw the ball very much is San Francisco, which is why Brandon Ayuk is my cut. And I am starting... LaVisca Chenault. He will have a possibility to break out just like any of these other guys, but I just don't think they throw the ball enough, especially with Garoppolo under center, to have Ayuk be the guy that I hold on to. They throw the ball so much with Jacksonville, and they're going to trail in every single game. 
the way that they use Chanel all over the field and in different scenarios, like that he's just going to get so much more opportunity than any of these three guys. Justin Jefferson probably finished with the most points, but I believe that it's got to be Chenault as the start for me. All right, yeah, well, we'll agree to disagree on that. I I, I could see the argument if again, you want to think about again, it. I, I like them all. They're all they're all talented guys. Oh yeah, no, I'm they're all. Saying. That's why this is a fun that's game because aside, aside from the slate of Gallup, Slayton, and Sanders, these are all for the most part. They're these are they're at least names on every list where you're like, yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. That's why it's a difficult game. All right, for all the latest news, injury updates, and a full preview of this weekend's matchups, make sure you check out Trust or Bust with Jack and Jason every Friday night slash Saturday morning, wherever you listen, whenever you listen. We will be back next Wednesday to talk about week, well, maybe zero. Maybe there is no week next week. We'll see the way things are going. Uh, Neil, where can the people find you on social media? Well, I said that wrong, too. I hope there is a week five. I'll clarify. And you can come and argue with <laughs> yeah, me about be much Jeff- better. Yeah. yeah. You can come and tell me I'm wrong about Justin Jefferson at nonsense underscore Neil on Twitter and the fantasy life app. Also check out the trade columns every Wednesday and Thursday uh, in the morning with my counterpart, Wes Smith. Uh, no relation. Uh, follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at nonsense FF. You can follow us in the important nonsense community page on the fantasy life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. We appreciate it. Shout out to the people who have already reviewed, given us the five stars. Great content. We love you. Love you guys. You're the best. Appreciate uh, it. You can follow me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. And until next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!